Well, if you would, take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me, please, to Ephesians. If you do not have a copy of God's Word, raise your hand, let us know, we'll get it to you. There's also a bookshelf just right back there in the back that we can pull one from, but we would love for everyone to have a copy, and if you don't own a personal copy, we want you to have the copy that you choose. Or if you talk nice to us, we got some of those inductive study Bibles in the back. We'll just snag one from a classroom, so it'll be good. We're beginning a new study today on the book of Ephesians. We're going to spend the better part of a year going through this, considering with holidays and and taking breaks and things like that. But it's going to take us about a year to go through this book. This book is considered to be Paul's magnum opus in what he has written. Many people say that it's Romans. Uh, But a lot of people have a hard time comparing with the glory that is revealed in the book of Ephesians. One thing to remember when we're dealing with uh, starting something like this and doing a book study, going verse by verse through a book study, is that it's hard for us to bridge the gap and to think of ourselves as how would the first century have received a letter like this? You know, the interesting thing about uh, the first century is if they had a Bible at all or if they were reading from Scriptures at all, it was all the Old Testament. What if we did that today? That would be a little difficult for us. and we, we, we would talk about Jesus, but we wouldn't really have things written down. The New Testament just wouldn't exist. It's a very different mindset to have. So it's important for us to start this book right, to get into it correctly. And so I, I couldn't help but to think, and I believe that we should do this any time that we tackle a book of the Bible, I couldn't help but to think. Can you imagine gathering, you know, at somebody's house? You know, maybe Priscilla and Aquila are having you over today kind of thing, and you brought marshmallows or Cheetos or whatever you got, you know. And you're going to sit down there and they say, oh, you're never going to believe this. You know, normally we would read from the Old Testament and we still will to kind of encourage us, but we got a letter today. And it came from Paul. Paul. Paul wrote us a letter? Yeah. He's actually got a letter that he's kind of drafted up and he's sending it around to all the churches. He wants every church to embrace what this letter has to say. It's been written in such a way as to where it just applies to everybody of believers in Christ. And boy, is it a good one. You know, I've already snuck in a cursory precursory reading you know and tell you all about it but i want us all to have a seat right now on the floor if you need to get your cheetos out that's great but let's start at the very beginning i want to read this entire letter let's hear what paul has to say to us how many of you have sat down at one point or another and have taken uh, a book of the bible and have read it from beginning to end okay good good have you ever done that in a church setting i asked pastor c he said i've never done that I said, oh, what do you think? He said, I think it's a good idea. And I said, well, I'm going to let people know for when they think I'm crazy for going through it. So so here's what we're going to do. We've got Ephesians open. We're going to read. Now, Johnny Cash wasn't available, so you have to settle for my voice. But hopefully you can add whatever you need to to think of what they might have heard at that time. Put yourself in that situation. We've got a brand new letter from Paul. Here we go. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before Him 
in love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption. Through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put all things in subjection under His feet, and gave Him His head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in them. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision which is performed in the flesh by hands remember that you were at that time separate from christ excluded from the commonwealth of israel and strangers to the covenant of promise having no hope and without god in the world 
But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief, by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are for your glory. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body 
and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in that way. If indeed you have heard Him, and have been taught in Him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth to each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he, he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk, 
or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, and he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the body, because we are members of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your, who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters, do the same thing, same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, with all prayer and petition, praying at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. What do you think? It's a good letter. Can you imagine receiving that? Hearing that for the first time? As you're probably thinking, wait, back up and go to that other part. I missed that. Say that again. Well, let's focus on that. And of course, afterwards, they had time to go through thoroughly and focus on it. But the first time they would have heard that in a in a full general reading. Wow. Paul took the time to want to encourage you and I. So here's a question I have about this. What are your initial observations? The very first step into studying anything is observe, observe, observe. And when you're done doing that, you observe some more. What are some things that just stick out to you? Raise your hand. This is participation, church. It's okay. Okay, there are some specific instructions. Paul doesn't seem cloudy on what we need to be doing, does he? He's very straightforward about that. What else do we see? He cares. Good grief. I haven't done a word count yet, but I'm interested to see how much the word love pops up in this letter. It's all over the place. Honey. He starts out with, here's how blessed you are in Jesus. I don't know about you, but on a dark day, I need that. That's going to be a beautiful thing to unpack. What else do we see? He talks about our position in Christ. And I'm so glad you are here. It is beautiful to see you. What else do we see? Go ahead. He reminds us that we're all part of Christ's body. Doesn't matter who it is. You believe in Jesus, you're there. What else? We all have a gift. Every single person does. Go ahead. Oh, it speaks about what life was like before Christ and after Christ. 
That's a pretty good thing. In fact, did everybody notice he does that at least twice? Everybody notice that? Seems like a pretty big deal that he wants us to see how Jesus makes the difference. What else? Willem. The letter is structured a certain way. We're going to cover that in a second. And Paul is long-winded. Remember that. Paul was long-winded, not me. Okay? He was long-winded. Jay. Notice that. That's a good point. Who your ultimate battle is against and where that fight is located. Man, that's a big deal. And what we need to fight it. Wear the armor of God. That, that right there, man. Do you have on an armor of God shirt? You have one, though, don't you? Yeah. I was going to say, Bob is a Christian t-shirt guy right there. Absolutely. I remember seeing you wear that. What else? Anybody got anything else? Jim. Where our salvation comes from. That's a big deal. That clears up a lot of problems. Jerry. Yes. God has the good works already prepared for you and I to do. That's great. Yes, sir. Grace. What do you observe? Grace. Boy, it's just threaded through every page, isn't it? Laverne. It's amazing. Isn't that great? Great word count guy. I love that. Yes, Mickey. Always give thanks. Does everybody notice how giving of thanks just permeates the letter? About everything we need to be grateful for? I don't know about you, but I'm really excited. (laughs) It's good stuff. Now, if you notice, you've got some little booklets in front of you. We're going to give these to you in increments. This is only for the introduction. When we actually start chapter 1, verse (laughs) 1. Yeah, we're going to spend about five weeks on just who is Paul, okay? But when we actually dive into chapter 1, you'll get a different booklet. We're not trying to give you too much at one time. Uh, But Emily's done an incredible job putting these together. And we're actually going to design it to where when I do the marking on on the screen up here for you to see, you're actually going to have the text already separated out for you on that day of what we're going to be looking at. Uh, More booklets? We do have more booklets. We do. So, Zach, would you be able to take care of this for me while we're moving forward here? We have lots more booklets. I'm glad you asked. There we go. So just raise your hand. He'll get it to you. So let's talk about this real quick as Zach's bringing that around. Here's an overview of Ephesians, just so you can pay attention to it. Somebody said, did you notice it's got a certain structure to it? It does. And it is perfectly in line with the way that the Apostle Paul always does it. Zach, you got some some hungry souls over here as well, so don't forget them. All right, now watch this real quick. You have dealing in chapter 1. He's going to tell you all about your glorious, glorious privileges that you have in Christ. Okay? Chapter 2, he's going to tell you about your glorious position in Christ and how you got there. But in chapter 3, he's going to tell you about his glorious plan. I don't know about you, but chapter 3 alone is enough to scramble my brains like eggs. Okay? There's so much going on there that is just profound. Now, all of this right here leads us to a certain point. It all deals with the idea of doctrine. Like nails on a chalkboard. Doctrine. We're going to learn doctrine. The word doctrine just means teaching. Okay? It just means teaching. And again, if you don't get this or whatever, let me know. I'll get it to you. Uh, I was actually really surprised that I could even come up with anything like this. So, 
you know, yay me. I look way smarter on here than what I am. Um, but doctrine. What this is talking about is how wealthy you are in Christ. What's interesting is, is that in the first three chapters, he doesn't ask you to do anything. He just wants you to know amazing things that Jesus has done for you. That's all. He wants you to know it and know it and know it and know it. Now this leads us into three positions. Number one, it tells us how our relationship with God got established. That's really important. Number two, it talks about what your standing is in Christ. If you've believed in Jesus, you have a brand new standing in eternity. You are no longer standing in darkness and disconnected from the Lord. Jesus has brought you into a place of incredible and complete acceptance. That's your standing that you have before the Lord. But also, it's going to give you an explanation of how you got there. It's one thing that you know where you stand in Christ. It's another thing to be able to encourage a fellow believer who might not be here or might go to another church saying, did you know how you got this way in Christ? Well, I don't believe that's true of me in Christ. Let me tell you what Jesus did to get you there. He's going to line out the plan for you. Now, what's interesting is, is you probably noticed that there was a break. And when the break popped up, it's because we were dealing with this glorious practice that took place. And that is actually chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. See, the first three chapters are real just cut, cut, cut. And I love that. But if you read through, I think that's when the guy got on his horse when he was doing the chapter and verse numbers and kind of scrambled it around a little bit. We'll forgive him for that. It's not divinely inspired, okay? But what are practices in Christ? Also, we have a long section, glorious prescription. Don't do this anymore. Do this instead. Don't steal. Instead, get in your wood shop and make things that are helpful for people. I have this urge to steal. Well, stop it. Glorify the Lord. You can do that now. Look at this next part. Your glorious protection. There's a spiritual battle going on all the time. How are you doing in the war? What does that look like? How do you get in the middle of the war and come out successful in the war? He's actually going to show us how to do that. Now, all this leads to a very wonderful place of our practice or our walk. The first one might deal with our position. This deals with our practice. But the first part talks about how you got into relationship, but obedience is how you talk about cultivating fellowship with the Lord. It also deals with the idea of your state. If you have a standing that is perfect in Christ, well, what is the state of your being at the moment? Are you living while trusting in that standing and therefore your state is affected, how you're operating with other people? Good grief, I hope so. But it also wants to deal with your experience. Before, it's information for you to understand and to take in. It's an explanation of how we got where we got. But now, doctrine doesn't just stay on paper. The Holy Spirit doesn't just reside in a locked corridor in our lives. He has actually got a door wide open, and He desires to live that Jesus life out in us. Well, what does that look like? Thankfully, we have three chapters that tell us what the first three chapters look like, practically speaking. Now, we can't make a mistake of getting this divine formula backwards. If you read any of Paul's books, you're going to see that he has a very clear dividing marker between doctrine and practice. Doctrine and practice. Your wealth and your walk. Your wealth and your walk. Romans, for instance. Chapters 1 through 8, wealthy as can be, right? We're just amazing people in Christ. It's unbelievable. We sometimes just have trouble accepting that part. He deals with the idea of Israel, past, present, and future. And then from 12 to 16, he's going to tell you, here's what it looks like in your daily life. Here's how you play it out. Ephesians is divided up in the same way. If you make the mistake of, well, a good Christian would do this, and you jump in to chapters 4 through 6, and you don't have 1 through 3 on your brain, you've just become a legalist. Congratulations. 
you've just graduated over. You say, well, is it really that serious? It is that serious. Because if all we're worried about is obedience without doctrine fueling what we do, we're just law keepers of a different kind. You've got to have sound doctrine, renewing the mind and renewing the heart that motivates us to obedience. Now, let's test this real quick. Has anybody ever done something to be a good Christian? Come on. Admit it. Yeah, and some of you are like, you know, we all have. We've all done something to think, well, a good Christian would do this. A good Christian would help that person. A good Christian would respond this way. We spend too much time being good Christians instead of salivating over the perfect Christ. Be a real Christian. Yeah, isn't that like 188 Truth or something? Yeah, those are lordship people. Call them and tell them they're wrong. That's fine. That's okay. You know, they, they've messed up the doctrine or the, 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 the gospel really bad. I hate saying that, but it's true if you look at some of their stuff. But here's the thing. If we're not motivated... But out of gratitude for what Jesus has done, then what is your motivation? Pride. Oh my gosh, I didn't know how long it was going to take to get it. Thank you, Faith. Self. Look what a good Christian I am. You know what? That's the last thing that Jesus cares about. Jesus cares about what a good Christian we are. He loves if we would be an in love with his son Christian. That's different. Why should I be in love with Jesus? Chapters 1 through 3. Well, how should that change my life? Chapters 4 through 6. See, it, it works its way it does for a reason. It keeps you out of bondage. Now, did you know that Ephesians is considered one of the prison epistles? No. Let me ask you this. When, you, when we read through this and you're sitting here and your mind's kind of processing through all this thing and certain things are sticking out to you, like, whoa, that's cool, I've never seen that before, and that kind of stuff. Did you ever think, man, somebody must have been in prison when they wrote this? We never would have thought that, would we? That's exactly where Paul was. You get to the end of Acts 28, you find out he's on house arrest, and he's got some freedom. He's allowed to come and go as he pleases, but he's also got a soldier that's trapped there with him. Good grief. Pray for that guy, right? He won't shut up about the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ. Like, I don't know about you, that's the kind of guy I want to be, right? I just want to talk to you about the blood of Christ. But he wrote this while in prison. This, Colossians, which Colossians is a sister letter to this. In fact, you will get a lot out of Ephesians if you read Colossians. They interpret one another, Scripture and Scripture. Philemon was also considered one of the prison epistles, which was more of a personal letter. Then you also have, anybody know the last one? Philippians. And Philippians is a joy-filled epistle. Now immediately you're like, okay, something's wrong with Paul. Okay? Because he's in prison, he's incarcerated for the faith, he's awaiting some sort of trial, he's got all of these magistrates and dignitaries and he's having to speak before and give the gospel, and yet he's churning out letters that light my soul on fire. What is his secret? His secret is that 1 through 3 are real to him and 4 through 6 just happen because 1 through 3 are believed. Does that make sense? It's simply by believing what God has done that all of a sudden obedience comes out. We don't have to worry about being obedient if we're in love with Christ. You just don't have to worry about it. He's also filled with the Holy Spirit, very much so, yes. So here's some things I'm going to ask you to do. Number one, Keep in mind what the Word of God is and what it could do. Turn with me just very quickly, just to see this, to get started right. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Just turn there real quick. You're probably like, you know what? I got this memorized. I'm familiar with it. Well, don't, don't say anything because you'll be boasting. Turn there. Just a little motivation for us today. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, look at verses 16 and 17. Remember what the Word of God says about itself. It's capabilities for people, okay? All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Notice the first thing about this is it's God-breathed. It's God's actual words. That right there should immediately catch our attention if nothing else has. God has something to say, and He gave it to you and me. And if for some reason you don't have a copy of it, we have extra copies of what God has said in order for you to have for yourself. The second thing also is that it's profitable. Us doing a study like this and getting engrossed in it is going to do nothing but benefit us as long as we're open to going where the Lord desires for us to go in this letter. How about the next one here? It makes us adequate. Anybody ever felt inadequate? Surely not any of us. But if you think, why do I feel so inadequate in this situation? Did we ever stop and think that the Word of God was the rectifier of that anxiety? That the Word of God is what actually makes the difference and creates an adequate person. For what? Well, it's interesting. It equips us for all good works. Or let me say it this way. There's not a good work that we could ever possibly do as a Christian that would matter a hill of beans before the Lord if it doesn't have the the breath-inspired, God-inspired Word fueling it. The Word of God is the octane that we need for these engines that He's created. And the Holy Spirit desires to burn that fuel, baby, and move us forward. Desires to make us different. Now, here's something that's interesting. You notice, I'm not really concerned about being a proper preacher, and that's okay. How can we get the most out of this study? This isn't something that I'm just going to sit up here and gab and you go, well, that's good, preacher, and we're going to go home. Okay, no. I want you invested. I'm looking to get way invested. That's what I do. I'm looking for you to even just get a little bit invested. Just a sliver invested, I think would be great. Here's some ways to do it. Number one, commit to praying Ephesians 1.17 for us as we walk through this book. Let me just read it one time for you, but I think because it's the book that we're dealing with, I think it's an excellent, excellent prayer that could light us on fire. Look what he says. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, and that's plural, a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Or say it this way. Lord, I just pray that myself and my brothers and sisters here at Grace Bible Church would just know you more. God, that we would just know you more. That's it. That we would just fall more in love with you. That we would become more familiar with your word. That your Holy Spirit would just blow up certain sections that just change our lives. If we don't ask him, he won't do it. If we don't ask him, he won't do it. And right here gives us a biblical parameters of what to ask. This is a biblical prayer, so I know he's going to be okay with it. How about this? Read and reread Ephesians. I know what you're saying. We just read Ephesians. Let's get more and more familiar with it. Pick up a different translation. Grab a new King James and read it out of there. Find some different things in order to help stimulate the mind. Invest yourself in it. Know it. Now, if you do that, what's going to happen from that? Well, you can use your bookmark. If you notice, everybody's got a bookmark in there, and it's got the little questions on the back to help spur some thoughts about maybe questions we need to ask and answer from that. You also have literal word on your phone, which we've dealt a little bit with in our repentance series you could go through and take a look at some of the words and how they're used where they occur you'd be pretty blown away 
about what you find. But also, did everybody here know that we have a library? We have a library. Mary Cooper, do we have a library? We have an amazing library. And actually, Mary has taken one of the end caps when you walk in to the left, and she's lined it all up with books about Ephesians. Walk in and check one out. Get invested somewhere. Get this as part of what you do. Because often we're so concerned about getting through the Bible and getting through the passage. Stop. If you get through it, but you didn't start to master what you were looking at, did it matter? I don't think it does. I would much rather us spend quality time than quantity time. Let's be quality involved in this book. Another thing is, ask questions. Send an email. Text me. Come in. Drop in and talk. Do whatever. But if you've got questions, you know, I'm reading this, I just don't understand it. I'll either tell you, we'll get there, so save that question. Or I'll say, you know what, that's a good question. I probably need to address that. Or, if the suspense is killing you and you're getting ready to bust a jugular vein, we'll just go ahead and try to find the answer right then and there, okay? But ask some questions. That'll really start to get us involved. How about this? Read and reread Colossians. That way when we go through things in Ephesians, you go, wait a second, he brought this up over there. And now you're comparing Scripture with Scripture. Just as God intended. How about this one? Be teachable. That's a big one. Because it requires humility. I'm trying to be teachable in this. Let's all be teachable. Let's all automatically right now just say, if I need to have any attitude towards addressing a book like this, it's got to be one of lowliness. It has to be. It blows my mind in Psalms. David asked the Lord to teach him something 23 times. This guy was king. He was a shepherd. He could have done anything he wanted, went anywhere he wanted to, and bought anything he desired to have. And he's coming before the Lord saying, teach me. Teach me, lead me. Teach me, lead me. It's incredible. Are you teachable? That's a good point to to ask. And how about this? This is for all you dangerous folks out there. This is for the spiritual MacGyvers. Or maybe not. Anybody could ask this. but, But think about this. Dare to ask God what He wants you to know or do throughout this series. So many times we come to church, we sit here and we think, well, punched in that time clock, let's move on to lunch. And I'm telling you, we waste Sundays when we do that. We waste Sundays in time where we could be fellowshipping in the Word of God and asking for the Almighty Creator, Lord, how do you desire to change me as we walk through this book? Why would we want to ask that prayer? He's trying to conform us all to the image of Christ. That's the work that He's doing throughout our lives, conforming us to the image of Christ. The question is, is how quickly do you want to get there? Not very quickly, because I want to do this all day, or I want to do that. Ask if it's worth it, because I guarantee it's not. So maybe a prayer needs to be, Lord, what do I need to lay down and set aside so that I have a greater vision of you and I'm prepared to walk through and grasp this incredible book? Everybody with me? Okay, good. Nobody fell asleep, I don't think. Great. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm so thankful that we're going to embark on this study. We ask, Lord, that you speak to our hearts. That, Lord, you would draw us in prayer. That you would open our eyes to see the wonderful things in your word. That you would stimulate our hearts and minds and our thoughts. And that, Lord, you would cause us to just be brokenhearted for for hard-heartedness that we might have had. Or any sort of impatience that might have ruled us. And, Lord, that we would ask for you to be the difference in softening us up and changing us and even moving us and motivating us. Whatever you desire to do, Lord. I pray, God, you have your will in this church. Have your will and your way with us. Father, this is an opportunity that's just, I don't know, it's special. For some reason, I'm just incredibly impressed. 
that what going through this book could do for revitalizing us, encouraging us, causing us to shred away some of the things that are dragging us down so that we could run this race more fully and effectively for your glory. Lord, I believe there's much work that you want to do with the saints. So, Father, please change us. We ask, Lord, please change us. Change us because of your word. Change us because the Holy Spirit will not let us continue on in sin and bitterness. Lord, make us different people that look more like your son. Thank you, God. Amen.